He had some sassy moments though when he took Hunape's entire tro- or camp away from Oh, him. I mean, yeah, yeah. Nick, you know their name's Hunapu, right? Whatever. Um, so close. What did you call them? Hunape. <laughs> Not Hunapu. It's not Hunapu. It's going fine. The other one is also Koyopa, if you need that love of my life. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and those who have yet to decide. Welcome back to Escaping Reality, the podcast where four gorgeous, beautiful, sexy friends get together and escape the reality that is 2021 now. And let's just say, y'all, we're not off to a great start. We are not off to a great start. What a week to escape reality. And that's all I'm going to say on that because we are not a political podcast. Nick, just a reminder, this does not come out this week. It's fine. (laughs) So you might want to give context. If everyone wants to look up what happened on the first Wednesday of 2021, there you go. You'll know. You probably don't have to look it up. You probably remember. You probably remember, even though we all are trying to forget. And that is why we're going to talk about Survivor, the show that makes us forget and makes us escape. I'm really excited about this episode because we have a fun special guest who we are going to get to in just one second. But before I do, I'm joined by, as always, my gorgeous, beautiful co-host, Anna. What's good? Nothing's good, Nick. That's what's good. No, things are good. Things are on the up and up. I hope. I'm going to manifest it. Manifest. For the world. Manifest destiny. You know what I'm saying? Stay safe. Fresh eye surgery, girl. How's it going? Yeah, my eyes are healing and it's snowing in Dallas. So that's fun. Ooh. No, I mean like a few flakes (laughs) in the sky. And then my beautiful roommate who hasn't lived with me in about two months now, and I'm sure she's clinically depressed because of it, Aggie! Hi, guys. Um, Anna, are we just manifesting that um, we, like, move on as a country? Are we manifesting that we, like, hold people accountable? Because that's what I'm going to manifest today. Oh, yeah. Oh, the latter. I I thought so. 100%. Oh, no, we're not. We're not just. We're not moving on. We're just holding people accountable and moving forward. I don't want it to go away. I want it to get better. Please and thank you. Please. Yeah, and I'm here. Thank you. Speaking of getting better, our podcast is getting better because we are adding another beautiful person to it. We have Kix from Dumpster Dive Podcast. Kix is one of the hosts of Dumpster Dive, a reality TV trash recap. On Dumpster Dive, Kix joins her brother Tom and other dumpster divas to discuss what reality TV made them love the lowbrow and recap all things Housewives, Bachelor, and many more. You can listen to Dumpster Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere pods are heard. Kix, what is up, girl? How we doing? Thank you guys for having me so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yay, we are so excited to have you here. We had your brother on a couple episodes ago for South Pacific. So we're excited to hear your thoughts and opinions on this season. Yes, I truly cannot wait to talk about this season. I'm sure we'll get into it, but I have so much to say. (laughs) I think what's already going better for this is that you picked the correct season, whereas Tom, your brother, picked the incorrect (laughs) season because he thought it was a different cast. 
It's fine. It really didn't surprise me really that he was like, oh, I'm pumped. I got this. I'm going to watch the season again because both him and I have watched Survivor, almost all of them, I think. So yeah, it doesn't really shock me that he picked the wrong season to watch. (laughs) Oh my God. Staying on brand. But Kix, before we dive into Survivor, we ask this to all of our guests, how have you been escaping reality in these crazy, crazy times? That's a great question. Um, I would say the podcast my brother and I host definitely has been like the biggest escape. And we've been really lucky to start it. Something that we've been working on for a while and just kind of jumped the gun when we were like, oh, wait, we don't have anything to do. We can't go anywhere. So like, let's just do this now. So I've been like staying more current with Bravo, with Housewives, with all of the trash television that we talk about. Um, And I've also met a lot of new people sitting here, well, virtually here with four new people that I would have never met if it wasn't for this. So like on that, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to think about. Yeah. You just always need an outlet for help you escape some way or another. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And what better way than reality television, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) I think your story sounds very familiar to all of us. We were like, what should we do with this amount, with this time? And we thought it would be so short. And here we are almost a year later, doing something even more fun, but still like only would have been created by that very weird. Right, right, right. With that, though, we are a podcast that talks specifically on reality competition series. And I know Dumpster Dive talks a lot about reality TV in general and just like Housewives and all of those. So what is your specific history with the competition side of reality TV? Yeah, so that's kind of how I got into reality television. I was like big America's Next Top Model. And yes, I loved it so much. Tom and I used to watch it like marathons on Sunday after church when we were kids and um, so I guess that's kind of how I got into the whole world of reality television up until like maybe four years ago I didn't really watch any Survivor at all I can't remember the first season that I watched live but after it must have been like 35 or something we were just like oh this is very good and I'm upset I've missed it for this many years so I just like went back with my partner and we just watched all of them all do you have them. a favorite season besides San Juan del Sur do you have yes. I I really like heroes versus villains uh, that is my number one yes. Cook Islands is like a world's favorite season Oh my God, stop. My favorite season. I love it. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Some of the most iconic players come out of Cook Islands. And I really liked this last season, season 40, a lot. We'll get there soon. We'll get yes. there soon. Um, but I wanted to ask you this question because the first Blood versus Water season that we covered, we had a rapid fire and we all discussed who would we want to go in to Blood versus Water with? So I wanted to propose that question to you. Don't feel obligated to pick Tom just because I've been <laughs> before. We know that I don't think Tom would last very long at the elements of Survivor. See, I don't think I would last very long in the elements of Survivor. So I would probably pick my partner, Jared, only because like we keep each other sane. And I'm, I know it's like very cheesy to say, but... I like Tom drives me insane. So like I would never play that game with him because he's so competitive and I am just not at all. Funny that you say Tom would be even more competitive and you're like, I just don't know if I could live with that energy. But in Blood versus Water, it's also like, you might have to play against them and then reunite with them. So it could maybe work in your favor if he's competitive. I don't know. It's hard to say. 
Uh, with that, let's dive on into season 29, San Juan del Sur, also known as Blood versus Water 2. We're going to give you our quick one-minute thoughts, starting off with Queen of Not One-Minute Thoughts, Aggie. Oh my God, it's me. That's such an accurate moniker for me. Um, right. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and keep it to a minute, Nick. Now that you've challenged me. The stopwatch is on. <laughs> okay, here we go. I really like this season. Um, I texted Stacy last night these exact words. Once we got rid of John Rocker, it's a smash. Before John Rocker, like when John Rocker's there, I didn't love it that much. I think Nat has a really good winner's arc I think she's very deserving of being the winner there's enough drama that you kind of it's reality tv and reality competition tv and I felt like it was a vast improvement it was similar in season 21 it was the same country but I felt like they did a better job utilizing both the place and like rewards and things like that I also think there were many improvements from blood versus water one I think they learned from some of the things that made it a little bit slower because I felt like I watched the whole season yesterday and it was it was great. Stace, where am I at? I didn't actually have the stopwatch on. Dang it, Stacey, I'm really excited to see if I actually did it in a minute. I think it was, I mean, it was 117, now it's 118. So, I mean, it was. There we go. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Um, Kix, have you jump on in now with your one minute thoughts? We know you <laughs> singled out this season being like, you're, when you talk about 29, I'm coming on because one, it's a great season and two, Natalie, I'm in love with. We're ready for your thoughts. Like Aggie was saying, I kind of just clicked that the reason I love this season so much is because it is, there is reality TV gold in it, but it's also competition. So it's just like the best of both worlds for me. Some of the most iconic Survivor players come out of this season. I, I just like the dynamics of people who are related to each other because they, it cuts really deep. <laughs> it's horrible to, sound, to say, but it makes just like good TV. And again, Natalie's arc is just iconic. And it's like now her brand to literally go from like started from the bottom. Now we're here like at the top. So I just love it. Love that. Stacy. what about you? Thoughts on this season? Yeah, I really liked this season too. I think I liked this Blood versus Water better. I think one reason I liked it is it was all new players doing Blood versus Water instead of people we already knew. So I thought that was cool. What else? I mean, yeah, it does have some good players that come from it. And it's interesting because some that that didn't even make a big splash this time will come back and be more key players. So I like to see them at their start, kind of like Boston Rump. I liked that there was it was an all-women final tribal. That doesn't happen too often. And yeah, I just thought it was a good story. I mean, th- there's like, there's a lover's quarrel. There's mother-daughter things. There's father-son. There's, it's just... A little bit of everything so I thought it was a good season. I think it's also cool to note that we had an all-female final three on a season that had less women than men. Go on! Uh, Anna what about you? One minute thoughts. Um, it's funny that this is the episode that you're on kicks because when we had Tom on he had the season wrong and so he had sort of hyped it up for us and then my expectations were less than what it was hyped to whereas with this season going into it I had heard that it was like not super highly rated but I enjoyed it and so I think in that sense it exceeded my expectations but that being said I wish that it had been a bit more memorable like I feel like there were good moves and fun moments but nothing that you were like oh my god this happened so I feel like in a few seasons when we've been a bit more far removed from it I might be like hmm 
What happened? Um, I do think we had a few really standout players, which was fun. Obviously, Natalie is a great winner. I wish we had seen more of her like pre-merge because um, I feel like this season was very post-merge exciting. And the first sort of half was like not lackluster, but I wish that there had been more going on, I guess. Yeah. And I didn't love that people were like, so into giving up their rewards and being like kind of buddy buddy but not over the top and then also going behind people's backs but again not over the top um so I just wish it had packed more of a punch but overall thinking what I thought of it at the start it exceeded my expectations but not quite as much as some other seasons yeah and to wrap us up I I have similar opinions to Anna as well. I liked the season more than Blood vs. Water 1, as you have all heard my feelings and thoughts on that season. But I liked this one better. And to me, though, it read or watched kind of like a season of MTV's The Challenge, which everyone on this podcast watches, except for Anna. (laughs) We will get her there. But it watched that way in the sense of it had competitions in it and it was a competition arc, but it also had more reality TV tropes in it than I think we've seen in other seasons of Survivor with like the Jacqueline and John constant fighting, the Missy and Baylor being like, oh, I have to get over my three divorces in order to move forward in life. All of those like random arcs of people storylines instead of just the game storyline. And so it felt very much like that. But overall, I did enjoy it. And I'm excited that some of these players come back again. So I can appreciate them more. I think that I like this season so much because it it isn't over the top. And I know that's like the opposite of what a lot of people like. But that's kind of like my brand with how I like there's certain players and how I hate certain players. We kind of talked about this, Nick and Aggie, when y'all were on Dumpster Dive, is like Aggie and I like the same people because they're like good at the game and don't cause too much drama. And they're like kind and funny and like just like good people where like Nick and Tom, like the the people that like stir the pot and <laughs> cause a lot of drama. <laughs> so I think that's why I like this season so much. I mean, that speaks to my brand so much and why me and Aggie fight about our favorite players so much because we appreciate different things about players and about the game. I look for watching the spectacle and being entertained by people and Aggie like truly doesn't care. She's in it for this athleticism and like, who's a good player? Speaking of players, let's get into the players and our tribes. We had 18 castaways this season. Fun factoid. We were supposed to have 20. A team of two women actually had to drop out the day before filming started because one of the sisters failed her last medical evaluation and the producers didn't have enough time to find another all-girl pair. And so that's why we had more men than we did women. Thank you, Survivor Wiki. Loved that little factoid. Also, one of the women who couldn't play this time plays next time, even though her sister couldn't. So, excited to see that. We'll get to that. Tune in next week to Escaping Reality, the podcast. Yeah, I literally read that last night, too. So I'm nodding my head because I read the same WikiLeaks article. (laughs) Survivor Wiki, sponsor (laughs) us. With that, though, we had two tribes, Kayopa and Hunapu. I think I said those right. 
I'm Boy sure Bella. I will correct Boy me Bella. if I do. Um, but we had two pairs, blood versus water. So we had Nadia and Natalie, who were twins. We had Val and Jeremy, who were married. We had John Rocker and Julie, who were dating. Alec and Drew, who were brothers. My God. That's all I'm going to say on them. We had Dale and Kelly, who were father-daughter. Josh and Reed, boyfriends, loves of my lives. We had the Tiger King and his boyfriend, father and son. <laughs> Wes and Keith, I'm sorry, check out our Instagram. I will post a comparison picture, but you cannot tell me that Keith is not Joe Exotic. You're so right. Oh my God. I never even thought about that, but yes. Yeah. It is astounding. Yeah. I don't think Wes looks like him, but I get, it's the same vibe. It is the same vibe. If you have (laughs) Tiger King, go watch it and then look at a picture of Keith and Wes. It is Tiger King. Um, and then we had Jacqueline and John who were dating. And our last pair was Baylor and Missy, mother and daughter. Thoughts right out the gate of some of these castaways. Who was notable? Who did we like? Um, we're going to get to our top three, so maybe avoid talking about them. But just how did we feel about these castaways? We didn't have any returners, which was already a big difference from Blood versus Water 1 to Blood versus Water 2. Um, so what did we think? How were we invested in them? Anna? I'll talk about my favorite because I don't know if he's going to come up in other conversation, but I adored Keith. Um, I think that every season and it's typically the winner, but every season the producers kind of pick somebody to sort of edit as the narrator through each episode. Um, and I think in this case, Keith was like through whom the audience saw the, the season play out Um, and I think it was because he was like naive and didn't really know what was going on but was a good enough player that like made it far in the game and was like kind and simple enough to like have funny commentary that felt really genuine and so to me you sort of saw the season through Keith's eyes which just made him a joy to watch um, and to listen to him explain things and explain situations plus he like could compete So it wasn't like he was just a nobody old man who like stumbled to not the end, but close to the end. He was like an actual competitor who I think defied stereotypes about what people would have thought him to be. He was just so cute and so like, again, genuine, or at least he seemed to be. And so it was fun to, as a viewer, kind of watch and hear things from his point of view. Right. Stacey, any thought on these castaways? I thought that Jacqueline and John were going to be like Candace and what's his name? Was it John? <laughs> I don't remember. It was John. Okay. I really I was, was just like, couple, oh, we have like. always a John. <laughs> I was like, so we have the like all American couple here. I was surprised more by Jacqueline, I would say. She did play well. John, I don't know. I think he, he was a little too cocky. But also I liked seeing Nadia and Natalie because I didn't remember that they went on Amazing Race first. And then this was like their second reality show. I Most of the Survivor players play Survivor first and then go on um, Amazing Race. So I thought that was interesting. It was cool to see Val and Jeremy. But again, they weren't really, <clears throat> they didn't get to like play together that much. So, but those were the ones that stood out to me. I actually, Anna, I agree with you about Keith being the sort of mouthpiece for the season. I think they were setting Jeremy up for that also. I think they used his cutaways in a very similar way, mainly because I think they both just made the best comments. Like they had the funniest takes on what was going on. They had the most like interesting takes on the gameplay and they both kind of could play. 
Jeremy didn't show in this season, I don't think as well in the individual immunity challenges, but Keith showed really well in the individual immunity challenges. And it was so shocking because he was 54. Um, I don't know when I'll get over underestimating the older players on the show. They somehow, a lot of them do very well. But that being said, I think him and Jeremy had the funniest like take on what was going on. And then for me, I just thought Alec and Drew, I don't know how to take you guys seriously. I don't like the minute they dropped on the beach, I will say one thing for this season. They, they had us like hear who they were, who their person was. And then you stayed with them for like three minutes in that first episode. And I thought that was very helpful. I knew who everyone was when we got to the beach and they picked buffs, but yeah, Alec and Drew from the minute you saw them on the beach, you were like, what, how did we find you guys? Did they apply? Did you find them somewhere on the street? And we're like, those guys, they'll be hilarious, but also like confused as to the game they're playing. I, I, it was, I didn't understand them at all, but I did love Jeremy and I did love Keith and Wes. So I had, I brought in a couple of little um, fun relationship things because there are three people who are in relationships on the show. John and Jacqueline are still together, married. Um, not to bring it down. They recently just lost their baby. But so they're still happily married. John and Julie, of course, are not together. They broke up, I think, like right after the show aired. But and then Josh and Reed also broke up after the show. Yeah, I could weasel my way in there. Josh, I know now. Josh is like a fiance. Reed, I could not find on Instagram. So Reed, if you're listening, I'm single and I live in New York City. They're Broadway boys. They're Broadway. Dude, I go to so many Broadway shows. <laughs> I will fund you. Nick and I realized as we we're watching, because Josh was in The Great Comet on mm-hmm. Broadway. And um, he was the understudy for like the main guy. And so I was talking to Nick. I was like, did you ever see it? Because he was in the ensemble. So I was like, if you've seen it in the ensemble and you looked him up in his playbill, it said Survivor season 29. I was like, yes, as it should. Your Survivor <laughs> career should be in your playbill bio. Yes. So we did have a couple firsts and twists in this game. The first one was something called the arena, which was the pre-merge reward challenges. The two tribes would legitimately rock, paper, scissors. The winner of the rock, paper, scissors would put up a team member and then that team member and their loved one from the other tribe would go head to head to win a reward. Once you won, you get to pick somebody from your team who will go to Exile Island with the loser of the duel. And so we always had two people going to Exile Island. How do we feel about these hero duels and this arena twist? Kix, why don't you kick us off? That was terrible. And I'm sure you I'm sure that joke is so old to you, but... It's okay. I think it's pretty forgettable. When you brought it up, I was like, oh yeah, that did happen. (laughs) Because like the first blood versus water, like they have the, they literally have an arena. And so they like tried to do a lesser version of that. And I just thought the rock, paper, scissors thing was laughable. I'm like, you have like so much money. Like, let's think of another way to find out who picks who other than a game of rock, paper, scissors. But yeah, that was not my favorite. I do like a good... uh, exile island moment it really breaks people and i unfortunately like that <laughs> i mean similar to what kicks was saying i honestly kind of forgot about it until i read it over here i care more about after the merge most of the time so i kind of forgot that was happening but i mean it it did 
add more of the blood versus water element since you're having to play against your loved one. You know, you might want to volunteer to do it because you think you can win, but then you're still going against your loved one. So I'm sure it adds more emotional stress, I would say. That idea comes up when Wes on his side volunteers to go up and he's like, I don't think my dad could balance on this balance beam well. So I'll go up and do it. And like, he ends up winning. So but I think- close. And I was like, what if your dad did beat you? Because <laughs> it was pretty very close. close. And it brings up that idea. Aggie, you've been kind of shocked that people have forgotten about this twist. What are your thoughts on it? Okay, so I actually think this is one of the major improvements they made in Blood versus Water 2. Um, I have a list of reasons why. Here we go. One, I think it pitted blood versus blood in a really interesting way. And then on top of that, I know, Nick, you have feels about like the protecting the women aspect of sending someone to Exile Island, but you had to be the good guy and the bad guy for your team in the same moment, right? Like you had to be the good guy because you want to reward and then immediately send someone else from your team to Exile Island, which is already miserable. And I think it was interesting because the aspect of blood, because your blood relative or whatever it is, like your blood is the one going to exile. You then picked someone from your team who you could actually trust. So there was just like a lot of layers to picking someone to go to exile Island. The rock, paper, scissors is a little bit weird at the beginning. You're like, this is like a big moment, Jeff. And we're leaving it to fate. Really? Okay. Um, We're like leaving it to this. And then you win rock, paper, scissors solely for the opportunity to put someone up first, because then that affects the loved one that goes in. Nothing will ever bring me more joy than John Rocker thinking he could do it and Julie totally kicking his butt. Like I was like, yes, I think this season is a really good example of not needing Redemption Island, but still making that other thing interesting. So we still got rewards, which was a big miss when we had to do the Redemption Island arena challenges and you didn't get to see the reward challenges. You still got to have them. Exile Island was executed probably the best it ever has been other than maybe Panama Exile Island. There was sometimes no footage of Exile Island if it wasn't interesting. And I was like, perfect. I just know someone was there. That's fine. That's enough for me. Someone went. Um, And so I don't know. I really thought it added a really nice layer to Blood versus Water. And I thought it was a really good fix because y'all know I have issues with Redemption Island. And I think this season is better for not having Redemption Island. I think it was better because you got to see them in real time deal with the fact that their loved one was gone forever. Um, I didn't like that you could like replace your loved one at Redemption. Like it was too much. I thought this was better and more interesting. I love this twist. Maybe I'm weird. No, I really, I agree with you, Aggie, for once. But (laughs) I really liked this twist too. I thought everything you just said was like spot on to what I was saying. Right off the bat, we saw this struggle when Jeremy and Val had to go up against each other because Jeremy was like, well, I need the fire for my tribe, but that's my wife, man. Like, am I really going to like beat her this harsh and do that? Like, that's fucked up. And so- I thought that really tested the waters of blood versus water and made the theme more of an integral part. Anna, uh, do you have any thoughts to round us off? Um, Nothing that's really not been said. I agree with Aggie that I really like this twist and with you as well, but I don't see it. I I didn't think about it in terms of Redemption Island being replaced, but I did think of it as as a better added element to blood versus water for exactly the same reasons that everybody's already said that like, it adds a new layer of strategy. Um, like, are you picking your best competitor? Are you picking the person whose loved one is going to be the worst competitor? Are you like taking Exile Island into account? It just adds so many strategic possibilities that it was, it was cool to watch it play out. 
but I also didn't love that like you had one person competing from your tribe for the rewards that are the most important. Don't really have a suggestion for how that could have been better. So all I will say is like, I didn't love it early on in the game when you weren't seeing the tribe compete as a tribe for something so vital to their success. So I'll leave it at that. Um, Another twist that we had, we did have the return of Exile Island. This is the first time Exile Island has come back since season 18 Token Sheens. And they brought in the same aspect that they had in Token Sheens Exile, which was when you went there with somebody else, there were two vases and you each picked a vase and one of them had a blank piece of paper. One of them had a clue to a hidden immunity idol that was hidden back at camp. How did we feel about the return of Exile? I kind of agree with Aggie. I think this was one of the best uses of Exile Island because it did break people, but it also, we didn't see a lot of it, which is my favorite version of Exile Island because it could just be boring to watch somebody sit there and do nothing. Aggie, I know you have feels, so I'll go to you first. I think because you ended up sending someone almost always with the loser, that you picked as a way to not punish your loved one, you weren't going to get that like competitive necessarily edge thing because it was like, they sent you because they wanted someone to go with me. So it's almost like mean to not share the clue at times. I think the interesting part of Exile this season was at first the clue was a clue to an idol at camp. And then post merge, it was a clue to idol at exile. So then there was like the added layer of like, do I want to go to exile? And then um, when Jeremy figured out it wasn't there, there was also this like, well, whoever was right, was there before me has it that then affected the actual gameplay. So it was one of their better versions. I will say Jeff and the producers did probably their best job with Exile Island. Like when Alec went, because Alec was such a like non-factor in the season, we didn't even see him go there. He was like, Jeff was like, goodbye. And then he's like, I'm bringing in Alec. And you're like, oh, forgot he wasn't in the game anymore. Like, I forgot he was there for two days. So I think they made smart decisions around, like, if what they're saying and doing at Exile isn't going to affect the game, maybe you don't need to see it, which I thought was nice. Um, Contrary to what I have said pretty much this entire podcast so far, I preferred (laughs) the use of Exile pre-merge than post-merge because I liked, again, the implications not only of the person going to Exile meant that you won the duel and thus your loved one was sent. And so it adds the possibility of like, oh, do you throw the duel to like put yourself in that position? Maybe, don't know. Um, But also I've said before, when we've talked about Exile Island, I like the instances where you have to implicate somebody or you have the option to implicate someone in finding your idol. And so I, I liked when we had two people going to Exile, they could make the decision to share the clue about the idol at their camp, which then was also at the other camp. And I've said before, I like I like when finding an idol has to involve another person. I think it makes the strategy really interesting. And then that just, that changed post-merge when you were sending one person and the idol was at exile. Was that post-merge? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would make sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> Stacy, thoughts on exile? Yeah, I mean, I like exile just because it, like, not only is, do the people who go there, like, potentially get weaker or have, you know, that disadvantage, 
but they're also missing out on strategizing that's happening. So, I mean, I like it because it is, it's, it's like, it's a disadvantage, but it can be an advantage if you can find an idol or get a clue. So it's just always like a mixed bag. Now, would I volunteer to go? Probably not. Unless I really needed an idol and I knew they were there or I knew there was a clue or I knew it hadn't been found already. But I think that's what surprises me is like, and I know we're going to talk more about like kindness later, but all these people volunteering to go. I'm just like, why? <laughs> like, you don't need to. <laughs> so We'll get into this kindness factor later. But like, I agree, Stacey. I feel like the 19th person is kindness. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's like an underlying like player in the game. It's too much. <laughs> so yeah. many of them took that route. That's probably Fourth why I like day. it. Yeah, same. <laughs> Speaking of twists, I'm going to round us off with our last two. These were challenge-based. First, I'm not going to call them twists, but we had our first foot fetish challenge. <laughs> I'm calling it a foot fetish challenge. Aggie is angry at me, but that's exactly what it was. Somebody on the game makers board had a foot fetish and they created this challenge. And I just want to say like the amount of times Jeff Prost is like the first time in survivor history where you use your feet. And I was like, okay. And also another first that happened during a challenge was Jeff just ending a challenge being like, oh, you're just going to throw it. So Missy wins. What's the point of doing it? We're done. There you go, Missy wins. Congrats. And you can tell his sassiness was like, fuck you. He was pissed. He's like, we filled those skulls with blood and we're not even going to get to use them. How dare you? The foot thing was weird because he, yes, he did make such a big deal out of the fact that they were playing with their feet. And I was like, I don't think they care. Like, I, I they're in Survivor, like knowing they're going to do challenges. Like, just be like, the twist of this challenge is that you have to play with your feet. And they'll be like, cool. But not making it a big deal, I don't think. But it was like he was him or the producers were just like proud of the fact that they were breaking survivor history by using their feet. And I'm like, what is there to be proud of? Like, Like, let's do other things. Like, there's more things to like make firsts of. Like, let's not do the foot thing. The first, like, uh, I don't know. It was just too much. And like the whole thing with like Missy, I was eye rolling just like Jeff because. Her and Baylor, I don't know why they just like get under my skin a little bit. They're just like when Reed called Baylor a brat, I'm like, uh, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are. And so, like, I get, I'm sure Jeff was like annoyed. I would be curious to see, like, I listened to an interview with Jeff talking about like the most annoying people he's had to have on Survivor because I'm sure he's like, I can't stand this girl. I can't, stand I would her. love that. I would yeah. love that. Anybody else have any thoughts on these? survivor first that happened um it just feels weirdly like (laughs) we're so crazy what will we think of next a challenge with your feet bet you never saw that coming and it's like I didn't because I didn't want it to come like I don't I don't (laughs) need you to innovate in such a way where I am shocked at the challenges um and I just I really think it's worth pointing out that we find out at the reunion that one of the challenges this season was like submitted by a child, a literal child, and it made it to air. Um, and that this was not that challenge. Like the challenge where Jeff is like, you got to use your feet to untie knots and do a puzzle was not the challenge that a child came up with. In that fact, is- his challenge was wildly sophisticated. Yeah, his challenge, you would have no idea that that was the kid's challenge. That's such a good point. <laughs> 
Right. Like if anyone said pick the challenge from this season that like a child came up with, you'd be like, oh, the one with the feet, like the one where they have to use their feet. I played that like in my apartment with like remotes. Yeah. Like (laughs) it's just, it's insane to me. Like, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish other than like, what are we going to think of next? Like, I don't (laughs) care. This is weird. I have to say, I, when I saw the foot challenge, I like said to myself out loud, I like these kinds of challenges. So that's <laughs> what that means. Like, I really, I was like, finally, we get something with your feet. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, it's different. It's like, you don't have to be like strong. You just have to kind of be like coordinated. So I liked it. But also, I think this was also maybe a first sort of is someone like being too injured to do multiple challenges, but just like got to sit on the sideline <laughs> and didn't have to go home, <laughs> but was just on the sideline. Yeah. And we'll talk on Missy's injury. <laughs> yeah. That whole scenario. Imagine if she hurt her foot during the foot challenge. <laughs> like imagine that that was where her injury came from. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up. <laughs> Um, here, I can round us out, Nick. I don't agree with Stacy entirely. Like, I wasn't like, oh my God, this challenge is great. But I did kind of enjoy watching it. I was surprised by who was good at it because I was like, what the hell? Like, this is not a skill set. Um, I was most annoyed by who won, though, because I didn't want Baylor there anymore. I was like, Baylor and Missy need to go. And then by Baylor winning, it was like, Baylor and Missy are here to stay. Missy cheering for her daughter during it was also really annoying. Anna, your point about like innovating for innovation's sake, totally valid, totally valid. Like who said like we should do this? I don't know. I didn't hate it in like execution. I hated that Jeff kept telling me it was the first time we've ever done it as if it was like groundbreaking. I didn't hate the challenge. I was just like, don't tell me that it's the first one and we need to keep hearing like proud of you, Jeff. Do you need like a hug? Do you need a high five? Or do you want something from me? I don't know. The whole time I was thinking about how dehydrated they were and getting Charlie horses in their feet. These people have not eaten. They're not drinking enough water. They're going to have the worst Charlie horse of their life. (laughs) Yeah. And it was also, it was so much like core work that I was just like, you're all depleted. Like, I don't know how any of you are going to finish this challenge. But my thoughts on the one where Jeff ends the challenge, which honestly, Jeff has never been more annoyed, but I think it goes back to Kix's idea that kindness is the 19th castaway. Like you should have played it out because like, yeah, Missy might've won, but she might not have. And so the thought that, and then it then affected the game. Like Jacqueline was pissed when she didn't get picked, even though it was her idea to like, it was like partially her idea. Like all of them were just like going around and around in circles. So I was annoyed. And again, it was rooted in Baylor and Missy again. So I was just like, I was my annoyance this season is rooted in the two of you. I was annoyed because like the history of that reward challenge is that it breaks alliances and it like shows who's on the bottom, who's on the top of the alliance. We've seen that almost every time that a challenge like that is played out. And I wanted that to happen because it was clear who was on the bottom and who was on the top. But like, it just didn't play out that way. And then even when Missy brought Natalie and not Jacqueline, Jacqueline, like what it was kind of revealed to her, but she still didn't do anything about it. But I don't know. I I will say, Nick, I do think it was interesting though, because I think Nat would have played it out, but then she realized I need to keep John close. So I'm going to keep turning to him to ask what he wants to do. 
And so I think for Nat's game, it actually was really helpful because she made everyone friends with her in that moment. Like she kept John and Jacqueline close, but also Missy and Baylor invited her on the reward. So she was able to get like her three, like secured with them, even, even though she didn't end up doing that long-term. So for Nat's game, it worked out really well. But for everyone else, I was just like, this is not interesting and it didn't affect anything. Also, why are we asking trivia questions about the castaways instead of making them rank each other? The castaways who aren't even there. Like, I don't want this. I want the one where they fill out the questionnaire about each other and then you say, who wrongly thinks they're in charge of this game? And everyone says, John. That's the tea. I don't, I don't need to know who owns a tanning salon. <laughs> There's no question who owns a tanning salon. <laughs> I think he like, got it wrong though, which that feels right. Yeah. I also liked at the beginning when Jeff was like, it's everyone who made it to the merge. And then Keith's like, so Julie onward. And, and <laughs> Jacqueline's standing next to him and Jacqueline's like, yeah, from the merge on. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to get the names of people in his brain. Like that was his attempt to be like, who the fuck played this game from the merge? Like, I don't remember. I know I'm here and I know Wes is in the jury. That's all I got. Uh, so this season is Blood versus Water 2. It is the return of a major theme. And with that, we I wanted to talk, what do we think was improved? What were some updates of it? For me personally, it seemed that the Blood versus Water theme came into play a lot more the second time around than it did the first time. And I think a big part of that was that the loved ones and the couples stayed in the game a lot longer and we had more of them in the merge. And I also think that this season proved that blood is thicker than water, meaning that nobody really turned on their loved one. They kind of always defer to their loved one. So what do we think about the return of blood versus water? Anna, why don't you jump in? I haven't heard your luscious voice in a little bit. She's got a cough today because I'm still recovering from COVID. So like wear your masks, kids. But I digress. So I think that this was a stronger showing of the blood versus water concept than we saw the first time around solely because we had returners the first time around. And I think obviously there's no comparison to like your loved one to a group of strangers, but I think having returning players kind of negated the fact that they were strangers. I think there is an initial camaraderie and almost like understanding between returning players where they would be more willing to trust each other than like the average person and a stranger. You know what I mean? So I think we had a truer test of is blood thicker than water than we did the first time around because I think of the returning players as more willing to trust other returning players and more willing to say like, I know that this person will put the game first no matter what. Like this person is willing to vote out their loved one or turn on their loved one because they get the game. Like they know what we're here to do and they respect what we're here to do. Whereas this time around, I think people who have not played the game before and also don't know anyone who played the game before, like their loved one is not a survivor player. So I think it's just a more even playing field of like, you can't necessarily say, oh, I'll turn on my mom because I know that like this person has the game in mind because none of them have played before. So that was my take on why I think it was a better like testament to is blood thicker than water. Because I think the returning players in the first time we saw this just had more of an agenda to play the game rather than to like be in it with their loved one. Kix, I'm kind of curious about your idea since I know this is one of your favorite seasons, but we didn't get to hear your thoughts on the first take of Blood versus Water. 
So what are your thoughts and opinions of this season compared to the first one? Yeah, I definitely like this season better. I think it was just better produced and like thought out. I don't know, or less thought out because like, I feel like the first blood versus water was a little bit too much. Like I said earlier with like the arena and they do that kind of thing in this one, but it's less stakesy. Like it's not as dramatic which I like, like you were saying earlier, Nick, it does show that blood plays hard together and makes it much further, which I liked a lot better about this season than the other one. Uh, Stacy, what about you? I liked this. I think, like I said in my intro, I think it's because it was all new players. So it wasn't like, I don't know. I think in the first one that they took out Tyson's loved one, almost like to see if he would switch places with her and like almost as a like almost to weaken him in a way, even though, I mean, he still won. But, and Anna, I think said this too, but it's not like who you knew from previously playing or just like any preconceived notions. It was just like, I mean, I like all new player cast in general. So I think even doing that with um, loved ones, I preferred. And then Aggie, since Blood versus Water season one was, as of right now, your favorite season to the chagrin of myself. What were your thoughts on the return of Blood versus Water two? Okay, one, I would like to go on record. I never said Blood versus Water was my favorite season after re-watching it and watching one through 26 also. I was like, like we did our intro weird. episodes, I did say it was my favorite season because it is it is up there. Like I do really like it. On a rewatch though, I think I like Blood versus Water 2 better. Um, and I think partially it's for a few reasons. One, I think, and I already said this, so I'm not gonna like restate this too much i think the arena and the hero duels is better than redemption island i think it played into the game more in terms of how alliances and friendships and relationships actually affected the actual gameplay better than throwing your loved one in in the hopes that your survivor returning loved one replaces you in redemption island because that's a much bigger risk, right? To take yourself out of the game in the hopes that you get back. It's more interesting to have your loved one face off against you for reward because then you're either a hero or a failure for your own tribe, which is kind of more interesting because it affects your place in the actual game, not you're out of the game and you're trying to get back in. Nick, I agree with you that this season does kind of prove the idea that blood is thicker than water, but since both winners didn't have their loved one past episode two, I actually think it shows that it's a hindrance to you winning. And I would argue Nat being by herself, she didn't feel bad breaking up couples. She didn't feel bad swinging between alliances. She didn't feel bad making those choices. She honestly, I think was closer with Jeremy this season than she was with her sister. It's so interesting. I think I like Blood versus Water 2 better. You heard it here first. Well, moving into the gameplay of this season, we did have one tribe who was amazing in challenges, won pretty much everything, but then couldn't survive at all, which was Hunapu. They, like I said, won almost every challenge, but lost their flint, ran out of food, had to ask Jeff three separate times for handouts because they just couldn't do it. Even though it made me uncomfortable and gave me some secondhand embarrassment, I thought it was hysterical to watch these people struggle. Am I cruel? Am I mean? Or do people agree with me? No, I agree. <laughs> okay. I was just going to say it brings up, Jeff brought it up, but it brings up a good point of like when Jeff was saying, they're like, do you think this is why they're doing better in challenges? Because they're literally eating twice as much as you are. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's why. 
me and my dad who has been watching the seasons with me that now that I've been home for a little bit we were watching we we're like well we also had to think you know Hunapu never had to vote anybody off so they were also feeding what was it nine people the entire time whereas Koyopa was only feeding you know less and less each time so I think that also played a factor into it but they were also just stupid and like lost their flint on day one Jesus Anna any thoughts not really. It made me sad that like they thought that they could outsmart Jeff and Jeff was like, no, there are consequences. This is where I think my love of Jeremy comes from because he literally was like, we shouldn't talk about the flint with Jeff. We'll find it. And they didn't listen to him and they asked for another one, lost their fishing gear, found the flint. Idiots. Then he was like, yeah, we're hungry. But like Jeremy then says, he's like, we shouldn't be asking for rice. We can win a challenge and get a feast and like just he was like part of this is we made a mistake we should just own the mistake and like deal with it and so I was frustrated with Jeremy where they were like asking for things and then in the end had they not asked for the second flint they would have had fishing equipment which would have meant they wouldn't have used as much rice and they and then they found their other flint so it's like you guys are so dumb you're not going to get what you want from Jeff without a steep penalty like maybe you just deal with the mistakes you've made and own up to them and move on Let's just dive in to the idea that we've been all been touching on a little bit of the 19th castaway, which is kindness and friendship and the annoyance that I had with it this season. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone, but we had people who gave up rewards so that other people can have them volunteering to go to exile. We have a discussion of camp etiquette and how to act at camp. You're not being nice to people. Um, And then the idea of taking care of the women and making sure that they are doing okay and that they need the man's help to be taken care of. What do we think of this idea of the kindness overall through this season? And I know this was a grievance you had with it. So why don't you start us off? I mean, I'm not opposed to kindness. I don't want anyone to get that (laughs) impression. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying that it, you know, it made me mad that people were giving up their rewards or being nice to one another or seemingly getting along at camp. I think what bugged me was in past seasons, we've seen people give up rewards to be strategic um, or be strategic about who they bring on the rewards to say like, oh, I'll trade places with so-and-so so that I can be at camp with this person. I get that. What I didn't love about the way that it played out in this season was the sense of entitlement or like, oh, I'm going to give up my reward for Missy because like she really deserves it. Or like she hasn't been on a lot of rewards. Like that is not what you're here to do. <laughs> like she can get a massage when she gets home. I know it's not the same, but like no one is entitled to anything in this game. And so to say like, oh, I want to trade places with this person because they haven't been on a reward. Like shut up. No, go on your reward. Enjoy it. Unless you are specifically giving up your position to curry favor or to position yourself to be able to have a conversation with another castaway. I see no reason to give up your reward. So when they weren't being explicit about that, and it was just like, oh, this person deserves to go for the experience. Like, get off my show. Get off. That's not what you're here to do. Stop it. It also was like, Reed brought this up, which is a reason why I loved Reed. It was so transparent that people were not doing it to be kind, that people were doing it to get in favor with their alliance. Like when Jeremy and Natalie did it, it was very much like, well, we're doing this because we're friends with them. But then in your mind, you're like, you're not, shut up. No one, no one is buying that. Like, no, you are as bad of an actor as Ozzy was in South Pacific. No one is buying the fact that you're doing this out of selflessness. Calm down. 
Yeah, I mean, this was just the most that I have seen people give up their rewards. I mean, I was it happens every once in a while, but it just became like the norm. So I don't know. It's it, I feel like it loses its significance if everyone's just going to do it every single time. Like I think when Natalie and like you said, Natalie and Jeremy did it, it was much more strategic and it made sense. But then for some of them, I was like, are you just doing it now just because you can? Like you just don't feel like going on a reward right now. It was a lot for sure. Yeah, I think there's a world that it can ex- both exist. Like with Missy and Baylor, like they just had everything handed to them this whole season. And it's like, they are breath. And I'm like, no, that's not the point of Survivor. I get that Natalie was doing it for strategy. She was very bad at playing it off that it was for kindness. <laughs> but like, I think when she did it first, everyone was like, oh, that's a really good idea. And then it just turned into something that everyone's doing. I don't even know. It was frustrating to watch and it annoyed me. I was just like, play the game how it's supposed to be. If you're going to do it, do it once and be done with it. But I want to move on to this new uh, segment. We're going to work it, see if it works out for us. But it's this idea that I came up with because we love talking about funny quotes that happen on the season. And the segment is, they said, what? And in this, I wrote down some cool quotes that we have, but also some quotes that aged poorly or affected the outcome of the game that we will also talk about. But the first couple are just funny that I thought were entertaining. And most of them came from Wes because my God, was he good TV? The part when at a reward or at a immunity challenge, he just goes to Jeff. What about that episode of two and a half man you were on cooking naked? And Jeff's like, yeah, that was fun. And Wes just goes, man, I love that show. It was pure gold. And then at the same challenge, Wes goes, I once ate 54 chicken nuggets in five minutes. Who asked you these questions? You're just talking. You're just, no one said anything to you. And same with John at Cam. He goes, damn, I wish I had a tail. That would be awesome. He's watching the monkeys swing from the trees. And I just loved that. I loved those quotes. I was like, John, what an odd bird you are. But moving into some quotes that had the opposite reaction from me that were actually bad. Episode one, Nadia goes on a rampage about how Josh is a girl because he's gay. And even though Josh is like, I'm a, I'm a guy, she continues to say it. And Jeff even brings it up at Tribal and he's like, are, are you saying he's in the girls alliance because he's a gay man? And Nadia goes, well, I mean, like, I would never go to John and be like, hey, girlfriend, but I could do that to Josh. And Josh gives this very uncomfortable, huh? The issue I have with this is it's clear that Josh and Nadia don't have that rapport. Right, like read the room. <laughs> like read the room, ma'am. The other intense quote that I think we're going to spend a little bit more time talking on was just John Rocker in general. Many of you may know or may not know John Rocker has a very bad past with diversity issues, a history of racism, a history of homophobia. But essentially, after a challenge, him and Natalie get into a yelling match When Natalie is yelling at his tribe, vote him out. He's racist. He's homophobic. Get him off the tribe. And John kind of has this moment of just being like, if you were a man, I'd go over there and I'd beat your brains in. You know, let's take down this set and we'll just like have a fist fighting match right here, right now. It got very uncomfortable. And it was kind of just like, why did we cast John Rocker if he was this terrible person? What are some of your thoughts on that, Aggie? I just, I think my 
long and short of it comes down to the fact that we've talked a lot about on this podcast, like things that come up with racism in this show, things that come up with like implicit bias in this show. And for me, it was like a huge misstep on the casting front. I'm not one to say like people can't get better and can't change and, you know, turn their lives around. None of his actions have made me think that's what he did since he said that. And so every time he spoke, I got more and more angry. I was like, the things you're saying are pretty horrifying. The things you've said in the past are pretty horrifying. I honestly don't think CBS should have dignified you with the platform. And I honestly, I was cheering beside Natalie when she finally yelled at him. If I were in a situation where I felt like this person not only disrespected my sister, but also like didn't value people of color or people of different backgrounds, I wouldn't want them on the show. And I think her outburst is like, the fuck is he still doing here? I was like, I don't care if in the game he hasn't done anything to deserve that. This man is clearly not someone who values other people. I stood up when John stood up and clapped for him going home. That's how I felt. I'm done with John Rocker now. I mean, he sucks. (laughs) I feel like he's just really, really horrible. And his girlfriend wasn't that much better either. And then it got weird when like his teammates were like, ultimately like he's on my tribe. Like I have to protect him. I'm like, not really. Like we just started the game. Like you can call him out too. Nothing's gonna happen. I think like my stance on it and is like, I agree he's a terrible person and he should have never been casted. CBS shouldn't have given him this platform. But I will say like, if you're playing the game and you're on his team, it's hard to just like pinpoint him to vote out because he is such a challenge threat to the other tribe. You know, he has sheer strength, muscle. And so I think like if you're on his tribe and you are losing every challenge, you don't want to vote out the big strong man because you might need them to win i mean like i agree like i think he's a terrible person but i think in terms of the game it's hard to kind of bring that up i don't know yeah i just think he shouldn't have been cast to begin with like because it does i mean like you're saying i mean him being an athlete him being him being big like they probably did feel torn about you know what to do with him but I mean, why are we letting people, like people who have already been in the public eye for, and are known to be racist and homophobic, like, I mean, it's not, sometimes they find out later that someone is racist and homophobic, but this was like, I mean, come on, this is like when The Bachelor puts people on that have literally tweeted racist things and they're like, oh, that we didn't see that in our uh, background check. And it's like, oh, you didn't see it. Okay, <laughs> cool. Anna, do you have anything to wrap us up on this before we move on from John? Um, yeah, I'll throw my two cents in. I think we've all pretty much universally said bad casting, like you, you don't need to bring him on this show. And I think it's troublesome in a twofold capacity where like you're, you're bringing him on because you want one of two outcomes. Either you want a big blow up and for people to come at him, him to come at other people, for people to know what he said and to bring it up, for him to make other comments towards the other castaways. You either want that to happen or you're putting him on your show in order to give him some kind of redemption um which also i don't think is good like yes people can change yes you can work on yourself but the forum to do that is not on television and so i i think to put him on this show is either to exploit the fact that something's going to blow up between castaways or to say we're going to give him a chance and a platform to redeem himself something which it doesn't seem like he's done any work on his own to do so I think whichever way you swing it, whichever outcome they were hoping for isn't great. So just don't don't put him on the show. 
it would have been fine without him. You could have found someone else to fill like a big buff, maybe kind of aggressive guy role who didn't have like noted racist and homophobic expressions. It also just sets a precedent. Like that's not a, that's not a hard line in the sand. Like you can't go on Survivor. Do you know what I mean? Like you were racist. That's not a like no go for us. That's a bad precedent to set. Uh, And I think our last they said what is Reed's beautiful wicked stepmother speech to Missy at Final Tribal. This is going to kind of gear us into our final three Final Tribal thoughts and feels. But my God, Reed gave the most elegant speech at Final Tribal, didn't stutter once. And it was just glorious. I was like, go off Broadway. Let's talk about that speech as we kind of talk about Missy, the first member of our final three, our all-female final three. What are your thoughts on Missy and just this speech in general? Stacey, why don't you start it off? Because me and you were having feels last night as I was watching this. I texted Stacey right away. I was like, holy shit, this is beautiful. Again, it was one of those, well, you we know you love the rats and the snakes speech. And this was, it was a classic Sue Hawk. And of course it came from a gay. Of course it came from a gay. It was definitely a scripted, like a practiced, like this is my last moment. Like I'm going to leave with a bang. I thought it was great. Like I thought it was a great moment, but I did think like, was, I mean, Missy wasn't going to win. Like, did we have to kind of kick her when she's down, literally down because her leg is like broken. She, they didn't even ask Missy many questions. It was a great speech. I mean, I think it, he made great points. Like she, I mean, both of them, Missy and Baylor, they were bratty. They were, they just kind of thought they could get their way on the beach. They thought they were like calling all the shots and he made good points. But then, you know, she did say in the uh, reunion that it was a little, it hit closer to home, I guess, because she's been a stepmom and I don't know what happened when she was a stepmom, but it sounds like it struck a nerve that Reed did not know about. So it was great for TV, but I was also like, I mean, Missy, you weren't going to (laughs) win. So we didn't really need it. But I think Reed was like, I attacked her gameplay and what she did in the game and what I saw in the game. I'm sure she's a lovely person in the real world, but in the game, this is how she acted and I'm not going to apologize for it. And I loved that he didn't take it back and like he wasn't like sorry about it. Stacey, you're 100% right. That woman was never going to win. I don't think anyone even thought of her as like a vague threat to win. I think Natalie says that in her union. She's like, I literally kept Missy and Baylor and Keith and Jacqueline. I, like she was playing all sides to deflect from herself. I My biggest annoyance with Missy in the final tribal was she comes out and she's like, I'm humbly sitting here with my broken foot. And remember how I broke my foot? That was tough. And I was like, is that the speech you're going to give to try and win a million dollars? I mean, I guess based on how the whole season went, where you were so entitled the whole time, that maybe now you're like, I'm entitled to a million dollars because I've been divorced three times and I, I, I want it. At least Jacqueline, when she's from her personal standpoint, she was like, I need the money in like, everyone needs a million dollars. She was like, at least I have a plan of like wanting to start a family with me and John because I have a condition where I can't have my own children. And so it's more expensive for me to have children. Like, at least in that regards, I was like, I sympathize with that and can understand and like empathize with that. Missy basically her argument was like, I broke my foot while I was out here and I kept going, even though I couldn't do any of the challenges and someone kept me here out of the kindness of their heart. Like, I was like, uh, that's not an argument for me. So she was, I knew it was going to be between Jacqueline and Nat and Jeremy, Bay for life, fully going like Nat balled out. You better vote for her as you fucking should, Jeremy. He was like, she balled out. 
So like you need to give her the win because as salty as you might be, she did all of it. For me, it was a no brainer final counsel and Reed's speech was just like the most dramatic part of it. But I was like, if anyone other than that comes out of this with a win, I'm going to be shocked. And then the loved ones voted for their loved ones. And I was like, see, this is the only reason Blood versus Water 1 was better. But I agree. And I think, Aggie, like when you were talking about Jacqueline, she kept on being like, my big move was getting out Josh. I'm like, but like, that wasn't your move. Because Jeremy came to you and was like, hey, our alliance is voting out Josh. They're, and then Josh's alliance is voting out Jeremy. And they were in the middle and just, they were like, well, I guess we'll go with Josh. But like, you didn't come up with the idea to get rid of Josh. Stop acting like you did. Yeah, I think to go into Final Tribal and think that anyone but Natalie was going to win is just ridiculous. I think Missy lost every possible chance of winning after the first challenge where she sat out and then all the subsequent ones. And at that point, it's like, well, you bring Missy to the end because as soon as you bring up the fact that like, sure, you made it to the end, but the last like four challenges, you have literally sat on the sidelines. Literally, you do not have a leg to stand on in this competition. You were not in it for the final stretch. We brought you here so that we could make that argument in case anyone tried to say that you did something. Jacqueline less so, because I do think that she played some kind of a game. Obviously, she worked very well with John, her teammate, her lover, whatever you want to call him. But in comparison to Natalie, like there there just was no comparison at that point. So while I like the ceremony of Final Tribal and I liked Reed's speech and, and everything else we got, again, Jeremy said it best of like Nat bossed her way to the end. So give her your vote. Like there's 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 not much to discuss in my mind. I mean, she prevailed. And that's what I love is that like we see in season 40 spoilers that she does something very, very similar. Like she's just so good at this game and it's rare that people who are this good at this game get to the final because of like threats. And it's like looking at like the survivor winners as a whole, you see that there's a lot of people that you're like, I don't know if she, they really deserve to win based on like their gameplay, but it was like kind of the best of the three options where it was like, with Natalie, there was no doubt in anyone's mind that she, this was her game. And she played so well, like thinking about bringing Jacqueline and John so far, but blindsiding them. But it was like in a way that they also respected her for it. And it was just, she played so smart. And I think she kind of learned how to play Survivor as she was playing the game. I thought the same thing. I feel like she almost learned from Nadia getting sent home that either it was because she was a threat or because she said something with her big mouth. I think Natalie was smart enough to be like, if they think Nadia is a threat, they're going to think I'm a threat. So I'm going to pull back. I'm going to play it low key until it's my time to just like fuck shit up. She's such a strong competitor. Like her social game is really, really good. And her physical game is really, really good. I just think she's like all-star of survivor history. Like she had a good social game, but she did say, like she was blunt. She reminds me of Sandra and like she could say things and like, I mean, she spoke her mind because even early on when two, I think some of the guys were like lifting tree logs or something and she was like, 
that's like 50 pounds. So you can squat 50 pounds. Like who cares? And she just like said it to them. And I'm just like, I mean, she's pretty, you know, open about what she says. Um, but there was something in the final tribal, I think when they might've asked like, what's your biggest move or something like that. Um, and I can't remember what she said, but you could see all the light bulbs go off in the jury's eyes. And they're like, Oh, so she controlled the whole game. <laughs> like now we have confirmation. It's when she admitted, I knew what I was doing when I got rid of Alec. She's like, like I didn't oh, yeah, forget yeah. who to vote for. I fucking knew what I was doing. <laughs> I voted for Keith to keep Keith around. What do you think? I'm an idiot. And then John goes, fuck. Like you see him literally be like, damn it. <laughs> and it's like, and yeah, cause this bitch is not dumb. And that was when it was, her fate was sealed. I was like, she just won. Cause they all just gained all the respect possible. <laughs> With that, then, let's just dive into Honorable Mention. Honorable Mention, no surprise, because I picked it out, was the gay power couple Josh and Reed. But I also feel like they were good choices because they both came in with how they wanted to play Survivor, watched all the seasons. They were already big fans. They literally gave each other flint for Valentine's Day. Both of them had these ideas for huge moves and were weaseling them their way through it. And Reed, especially when he had this big move to get out John, if it would have worked, it would have flipped the entire game. But unfortunately for Reed, he was playing with an idiot in Keith who didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. But I love Josh and Reed. I would love to see both them or just one of them come back in the future for a future season. Does anybody else have any feels on Josh or Reed? I forgot how good they play the game. Like Reed played, they both played pretty like open, tough games. Like, and I think it's kind of rare, kind of going back to final three. I was mentioning this when I was rewatching it. I think it's rare that hard, tough players kind of stick around. Like there's some seasons where people are like, oh, they're a great player. We got to get them out immediately. I was kind of surprised how long they both stayed because they both like openly, loudly like stirred the pot, which I loved. So I would love to see them come back. Yeah, and I think that like you mentioned about the practicing, the they got each other flint for Valentine's Day and stuff like that. I think that's so sweet. It's also like this kind of start of you have to come into the game knowing how to make fire. Like there's no excuses. Similar to like Drag Race where it's like you have to come into Drag Race knowing how to sew. Yeah. it's been on long enough <laughs> you this is the one skill you need to have <laughs> i think they're a really good example of how julie leaving fucked up a lot of things i think it bettered jeremy's game for six more days and it weakened josh and reed's game she was one of the votes that was going to swing both ways and josh i think had done enough to convince people to vote out jeremy and by julie leaving they didn't have to have tribal so that effort that him and reed had put in by like pressuring people and really trying to work like really 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 putting in like the survivor heels on people like hey like what are you thinking let me convince you why your idea is maybe not right and you need to go with mine but i think overall the two of them just show like you said kicks you have to come to Survivor at this point in time. Uh, like you have to have tried to make fire with Flint. You have to like care about this at all. Ugh, a mood. But I think this brings us to our final part of the podcast. We always love to finish it off with some rapid fire questions for everybody, which never tend to be rapid fire, but we're going to keep it rapid fire, people. So starting us off, which blood versus water season do you feel was superior? I feel like we are all going to kind of have the same answer, but still, let's give it a shot. <laughs> Anna, for you, one or two? One. 
Oh, never mind. Got a blast. Anna switched up. Yeah. The I mean, I, I think some of the things were done better in this season, but overall, I much preferred watching the first one. It's just me. Go off. Uh, Aggie. Oh, it's so hard. Ah, shit. I, I think too, but I it could just be that I just recently watched two, but they're both really good. It's very hard for me to choose. Stacy. I say two. Kicks. Obviously two. And I say two as well. I didn't like number one. All right, moving on. <laughs> Would you play into the kindness role and give up a reward for somebody else to have it? Stacy, why don't you kick us off? No, unless like I really needed, you know, some kind of favor from someone, but usually probably no. Uh, Aggie? I would say no, unless the people staying at camp were someone I really needed to talk to. Yeah. Kix, what about you? I would if it was like I was on the outs and this was kind of a way to just, if I had like just throwing something up in the air and hoping that it sticks, I think that I would give it away. But I also like don't really, sometimes the rewards, I'm like, are you going to eat spaghetti and shit your pants for fun? Like, is that what you really want to be doing? (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. Mood, mood, mood. (laughs) Anna? I think this kind of depends on the reward, but I think for the most part, I would go on them myself, especially post-merge where they do become like once in a lifetime opportunities. I would rather go. Yeah. Um, All right. Our next ramifier. So Missy suffers an injury and breaks her foot. The medical team says that yes, it is painful, but does not need immediate attention. So we do not need to take you out of the game. And Missy chooses to stay in the game. Could you as a player stay in the game like Missy did? Or would you pull yourself from the game itself? Anna, why don't you kick us off this time? I think if if the question you're posing is if you were in Missy's situation, like what would you do? No, I would leave the game. I think as evidenced by Missy in this season, she stays and she claims that she's so strong because like she's playing the game, even with like a broken foot, whatever. She's not playing the game. She is not. She is for all intents and purposes, not in the game. If you cannot compete in challenges physically, if you cannot compete, maybe for one, you sit out and then you're better. But if you can't compete for that many challenges in a row, you're essentially not in the game. You should have just left. I would have left and saved myself the embarrassment of having to sit out for every challenge. <laughs> the yeah, T. I get that for sure. Uh, Aggie. As someone who's broken her foot, I, do, I would leave. My biggest thing is the doctor says to her, he goes, I don't know if it's broken. If it's not broken, it's a pretty bad sprain. You can make injuries worse. So like if she, even if she didn't break her ankle then or whatever it was, or like if it had been a minor fracture, she could turn it into something that might need surgery. I just, it's too many risk factors. And if they'd been able to x-ray her and put her in like a boot and on crutches, she could have still been on the jury, which might've had Baylor at an opportunity to go to the end and potentially be a viable person to beat Nat. I think she knocked out both of their chances by staying. So if I were in Missy's situation, I probably would have gotten the x-ray and been pulled from the game. I think it was dumb that she stayed, TBH. Uh, Stacy, I think if, kind of like what Aggie was saying, if my loved one was still in, I think I would leave because I would just want, like Missy ended up going before her, or Baylor ended up going before her. And it's like, why? Like, why are you still here? But if this was like not a blood versus water one, I mean, I would stay if they're saying I can stay and 
if I can get to final three and then be persuasive, I mean, I would stay. I've also never broken a bone, so I don't know how much, like maybe with the pain, I would actually not stay. But just as a viewer, I mean, she got to final three. You get more money, don't you? The further you go, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I would personally, I would leave because I am, I can hardly think about myself being on Survivor in general. So if I had like a broken foot, I would definitely be like, yeah, this is not happening. But in a perfect world, I would stick it out. So yes and no. <laughs> yeah, I feel kind of similar to Stacy's thought. You got the final three. You made more money. Maybe I would have done a better job at talking at Final Tribal than Missy did. <laughs> um, and then our final rapid fire question, as always, Jeff Probst was a sassy motherfucker. And we are going to touch on those moments. And what were some of our favorites? Who has a great Jeff sassy pants moment that they want to kick us off? Aggie is raising her hand. Go off. Nick, you forgot the name of this segment. It's called Jeff Needs a Vibe Check. We're That's actually- what we wrote on the plan, okay? I just want to say. We'll call it Jeff Needs a Vibe Check 2021. We're going into a new year, but Jeff is, Jeff is still sassy as fuck. My personal favorite from this season, and there are so many to choose from, his quotes this season were out of this world. But one that I loved was Missy, Baylor, and Nat are gone. He turns to Josh and John and Jacqueline. He goes, I got nothing for you, but you got each other. See you later. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jeff. He's like, I got nothing for you, but you got each other. So see you later. And I just thought that was very funny. Anna, what about you? The creator of Jeff Needs a Vibe Check. Jeff needs a vibe check. Jeff this season was off the rails. I think his his general like <laughs> apathetic tone really did it for me. But I think my favorite sassy Jeff moment was during the individual immunity challenge where they're hanging with their hands and their feet on the platform. And he's bringing out food to tempt them. And the first thing he brings out, plate of candy, tempts everybody. Nobody wants it. He says, I'll try a little bite. Pops like a gummy bear in his mouth and goes, ooh, the texture um he then proceeds to take another bite of what looks like a snickers bar at which point john jumps ship and says give me that plate of candy and jeff has to be like here you go sorry i took a bite (laughs) and it's just so like you could tell that jeff was like getting into it ready to like feel himself be like i'll eat this candy (laughs) and then he's like oh here you go sorry i took a bite it backfired someone actually took him up on it it's his energy in him saying sorry that I took a bite is just so like it wasn't how I thought it was gonna go and you can see it written all over his face and I love that about him. Stacy, what about you? Um, I loved just what you know when the tribe asked for like to make a trade and get more rice or the whole Flint thing but also when at, when um, Keith played his idol and he hadn't even like opened it which I'm like why? <laughs> I still don't I have questions about that but then Jeff was like, how do you know it's real? <laughs> just like, Jeff, you know it's real. But okay, that's fine. Uh, Kix, uh, for everyone listening, the context of this is Kix was very nervous for this segment because she knew she had to think of something. But it's fine. We're just jumping right into it. So do you have anything? Or what was your... I, yeah, I mean, watching I truly, like, now that you guys are doing this segment frequently, I'm going to be listening for it, like, going forward, watching, re-watching these seasons but like I can't think of one but like everyone that you guys are saying is just too much he's like so I love Jeff for many many reasons but he is so cocky in a very endearing way I think for me it came at the reunion when 
the boy was talking about like how he went to survivor filming and how he came up with the challenge i was featured here and like jeff was like how did it feel like to help us in this he's like i just want to make the show better for you guys and just like ha, 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 that's why i love you and I'm like <laughs> you met him once this is creepy you are a creepy man hugging a baby <laughs> like hugging a little boy calm down jeffrey i just need to put out one more i know we've talked about the foot challenge a lot but in the foot challenge he literally says to them he's like this is not something you'd typically practice at home. And you're like, Jeff, none of these are things I practice at home except maybe a slide puzzle. You need to take several seats. Or are you like trudging through mud and then digging the hole? Like no one's doing any of this. Picking up stuff with my feet is probably what I would be the most prepared for. Same. I grabbed a remote with my feet every single day. Uh, and with that, we have reached the end of season 29, San Juan del Sur, Blood versus Water 2. I want to thank you, Queen Kicks, for coming on to this episode and chatting with us. Why don't you give us um, a little plug for Dumpster Dive here? Yes, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so fun. You can find me at on Instagram at Kicks Hamlet. That's C-I-X. Um, our podcast is called Dumpster Dive. We talk about trash reality television every once in a while touch on competition shows but it's mostly bravo and old like vh1 shows <laughs> and then you can follow us there on instagram at dumpster dive pod and we have episodes every friday and sunday awesome make sure to check them out we love dumpster dive deep friends of the pod and until next time thanks y'all for escaping reality with us Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Escaping Reality. We are so grateful to have you all in our podcast fam. If you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow for new episode notifications. We love interacting with you and want to hear your take on the season. Slide into those DMs at Escaping Reality Pod on Instagram or tweet us your feels at ESC Reality Pod on Twitter. Go ahead and hit us up. We're excited to continue to grow our podcast in a few different ways. One, if you're a Survivor alum, we'd love to chat with you about your experience and or any of your Survivor feels. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at escapingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Two, we are also looking for our listeners' help. We are starting a new segment called The Fans Have Spoken, where we read a listener's feels on the season, and then we discuss them as a group. If you want to have your thoughts read on the pod, shoot us an email with your name, Instagram handle, and three to five sentences about a particular season. We can't wait to start this new segment soon, but we need your emails first, so send them our way. Thanks again for listening and thanks for escaping reality with us. Oh.